Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, August 14, 2022. We've got another great show for you planned this week. We've got members of the media, academia, and financial services standing by as we analyze all the news and events for the week. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. Editor for Business Insider. She's also the editor of Dispensed, a daily newsletter that dispenses a daily dose of healthcare news on Business Insider's platform, Miss Lydia Ramsey Flanzer. Lydia, so great to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so there's lots going on in the healthcare industry. Uh, we last time we had you back in in July, you talked about some of the biotechs and maybe there was some venture challenges with some venture money and where was that going but let's you know one one thing that you've always done a great job for our network and for dispense is talking about infectious diseases and and since coronavirus uh you know it's kind of i guess in the endemic phase but infectious it's it's soon to be replaced by i I guess polio and some other other infectious diseases so what's the latest there Let's hope not. Um, yeah, no. So the big news coming out of New York this morning is that uh, polio virus has been found in wastewater. Um, that kind of suggests to officials that it's spreading around the city. Um, and that's a really big deal because we haven't had polio in the U.S. since the 70s. Um, so this is a virus that, you know, I know, I know my great aunt was vaccinated against and, and some other folks, but like I haven't been vaccinated against polio. A lot of folks haven't who were born once it got um, kind of knocked out of the U.S. Um, but yeah, between that and, and monkeypox and, and coronavirus, there's a lot of infectious diseases going around, uh, which is definitely alarming. Yeah. And, and just to, I think I'm, considerably older than you are i think that i i've had measles mumps rubella and i had to if my mother my mother usually listens to the show she'll, she'll correct me i think i've had a polio <laughs> vaccine because uh, i was born in the 70s and it was you know it was still a, still a thing now just based on some of these uh this news i mean this is something where the cdc will say hey you know uh in addition to your coronavirus vaccine your chick there's a chicken pox vaccine now i think so you should also now get your kid uh, vaccinated against polio just because it seems like it's popping its head back up. Yeah, I, I don't think we're quite there yet, but it's super possible. You know, there is a four-dose vaccine available. Um, so so that's the good news is we already have kind of the vaccination tools. Um, so, so that could become a possibility, just like we're seeing with monkeypox where they're vaccinating folks um, who meet certain criteria. Um, you know, it's obviously not as widespread as, say, coronavirus, which is still, you know, getting people sick pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so that that could be something that comes up in the next couple of weeks is hearing that we might need to take some preventive actions. Let's talk about the other disease, infectious disease that you mentioned, monkeypox. And, and this is one where 
Uh, we have talked about this one with you as well. Um, you know, I've, I've had the chicken pox. I've not, not luckily not had shingles. Um, but this one continues to rear its ugly head, and the CDC is, I think, issued uh, not orders, but like thoughts about how you can prevent getting this if you are someone in the uh, in the community. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, this, this virus is spreading um, in certain states, especially in the U.S. Um, and there are vaccines for it. Um, the supply of vaccine isn't super great at the moment. Um, there's definitely some shortages. Um, but the CDC and you know other agencies have some criteria for what what may convince someone to to get a vaccine. Um, these are people who might be at high risk. So say they know someone who has monkeypox um, or have really close contact with someone who has had monkeypox. Um, yeah, so we're still in kind of that early phase where it's not something that everyone in the U.S. population needs to worry about consistently, but uh, it is spreading uh, at a rate that's got states really alarmed. A couple states have declared um, emergencies around it. Um, so it's definitely really fun to be looking at uh, two and maybe not, maybe even three <laughs> kind of big infectious diseases. Is there a reason, Lydia, that diseases, and I know you're not a doctor, I'm not a doctor, but you're closer to the doctors than I am, that some of these diseases lay dormant, right? So they're kind of depressed and tamped down because people are vaccinated. And then here we are 50 years later and polio, you know, is is rearing its head and, and, you know, monkeypox and other things that maybe we thought were you know, in in hiding or away are coming back. Is there any any rationale as to why that happens? Is just the disease is, you know, the viruses never really go away. They just mutate and try to figure out the best way to infect their host. Yeah, yeah, I think that can be kind of part of it. Um, what else can be part of it is, you know, if you don't wipe out a disease in its entirety, you know, someone can still have it. And then, you know, the way the world's working these days, people are traveling a bunch. They're going to new places, which is, you know, great on so many levels, but it does mean that, you know, people are coming in contact with other people that they maybe historically didn't. So, you know, maybe back in the, like, mid to late 1900s, people were traveling a bit less, and so it was easy to say, like, okay, polio might exist in this location where you can have a big eradication campaign um, and knock it out, Um, but now there's more, yeah, there's more chances when we let our guard down to, to potentially spread. Um, and some of the anti-vaccine kind of rhetoric can also be really tricky um, because it might mean that people who may have taken the vaccine otherwise have started to not take it. Um, we saw this specifically with measles um, and vaccinating kids um, definitely a couple of years ago, probably still an issue a bit today. Um, but yeah, those are kind of the two things, the, the travel aspect and the exposure. Um, and then also people who are opting not to get vaccinated and take that preventive measure. Other than reading the pages of dispensed, which I said, uh, dishes out or dispenses daily doses of healthcare news, where can people <laughs> go? You like that? It was a little promo there. If, if there was a graphic on the screen, it would say powered by, um, but to end with a URL and how to log in. But uh, Lydia, I mean, are there are there do people to find out more? Do you go to the CDC? Where can you get good information both about the spread prevention and also potential vaccination information? 
Yeah, local public health officials are a great resource um, for where you're based. Um, they can give you information about where you might be able to get vaccines, um, if you might qualify for a monkeypox vaccine um, in particular. Um, that would be a great resource. CDC definitely has some, some updated information. Um, the Biden administration has been putting out some information as well. Uh, so lots of great resources out there, um, but definitely public health officials are the place to turn to in moments like this. And you mentioned uh, the article about the polio being found in sewage. I mean, is there anything that we should be doing? I mean, we're not at a point where we have to, you know, bottle, you know, use bottled water only. You know, you know, you know where I'm going with this. You know, like uh, when there are storms and they say, you know, it's best to use bottled water. Um, we're not at a point where we need to. Um, to do that, right? I mean, they're, they're... Oh, no, no, no. This is different. This is, uh, we're, we're talking wastewater, so mm -hmm. kind of post-drinking. Um, and it's just a sign that, it's just a tool that public health officials uh, use to monitor the disease load of a certain area. For instance, we use this a lot in, with coronavirus to figure out kind of where outbreaks might pop up next. Yeah. Well, it's if it you know if it's as they always say if it's not one thing it's another and people need to be aware <laughs> right I mean it's not like disease is just as we said lay dormant and you know there's always going to be challenges and threats that we're going to have to overcome and so that's why we've got to properly communicate and actually do the research Lydia we're going to leave it there really appreciate you uh, coming on the program on a regular basis and sharing some very important healthcare information all the best to you and a great weekend and we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thank you so much. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Right. Talk to you later. Welcome back. Now we're going to close out the show with a look at technology and consumer products. Joining us online, he is the managing editor for thestreet.com, Daniel Klein. Dan, thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing quite well, and I know that you are traveling, so we appreciate uh, – you taking a little bit of time away from your personal travels to join us on the program this morning. I am happy to be here. Not a problem at all. All right, Dan. Um, we often talk streaming with you, and let's talk about the streaming wars a little bit. And, and speaking with you in the past, you know, one group that has done very well, one organization has done very well is Disney, and they have really surpassed, I think, Netflix and some of the other providers because they had this established brand. But news out this week is that Disney will, will be increasing its Disney Plus subscription service uh, fees. Uh, thoughts about that? Yeah, so let me jump on one thing. It was sort of reported this week that Disney is now bigger than Netflix. Disney is only bigger than Netflix if you include ESPN and Hulu. Disney Plus is still about 90 million subscribers smaller than Netflix. Where they've gotten is incredibly impressive. But I saw that number reported so many places. But what Disney is doing is it's used pricing power. One, it wants to push customers into the bundle. So you get all the Disney properties. You get ESPN+, Plus, you get Hulu, kind of whether you want them or not. So it's making that even more attractive. But it's also recognizing that there is no person that has Disney+, Plus that's going to drop it for a couple of dollars or $3 or even $5. Bob Chapek talked about how they had room to increase pricing in the future. The reality is you and I want to watch the next season of Mandalorian. I'm excited about, you know, She-Hulk and, and whatever else might be coming down the Marvel pipeline. If you have kids, Disney Plus is basically a babysitter. 
You know, my, my son watched a DVD of cars like 200 times when he was, you know, five or six years old. So nobody's going to get rid of these services. This is not going to matter for Netflix. It's not going to matter for Disney. Both of them could probably eventually get to 1999 before they hit a price wall and maybe even 2499. This is going to be bad for all the second tier players. If you're spending more money for the, for the big two, you might be less willing to get Peacock or, or whatever they're going to call HBO Max and Discovery. Uh, and certainly nobody's getting Paramount unless they're really, really big uh, Star Trek or SpongeBob fans. So this is going to become, and really already has become, a game of have and have not. And oh boy, does Disney have. Yeah, and it's, it's, but it's the market, right? I mean, it's about what the market will bear and what people want. And Dan, I want to go back to something uh, you mentioned about uh, Discovery Plus and HBO Max. They have, I guess, consolidated under one umbrella, or they will consolidate under one umbrella. And I think they're creating an ad supported model so you just have to be bombarded with ads in order to watch the the programming yeah everyone's talking ad supported model so 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 is disney so so is netflix and i have a hard time believing the numbers are going to make sense on that 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 you're going to be able to replace the you know maybe you can replace the 4.99 a month uh you were spending on discovery uh though those had ads at, at that price point maybe you can replace a low price point if people are watching a lot but I don't know that you're getting to, you know, fourteen ninety nine or whatever the number is for Netflix mm-hmm. based on consumption. And, and unless it's little kids where you have to be careful with ads anyway, I don't think you're getting there with Disney. Because the reality is with Disney, I'm not watching a lot of programming. I'm just really excited about the program I am watching. I probably watch one show a week on Disney and maybe the occasional Simpsons. So I'm not sure how switching to an ad-supported model would work unless I was required to watch a certain amount of ads per week. Dan, uh, I want to now kind of pivot a little bit and talk about um, streaming just in general because I looked at some Nielsen numbers. They're, they're the big survey company. They've been around for 50 years, and they've been measuring audiences. People in our age demographic, I think 38 to 40 percent of them are just watching streaming, so they have really left terrestrial, I don't know, with cable, the traditional um, mindset. I mean if you're an, ads, uh, an ad uh, advertiser – or someone that is in that business, you really want to direct your ads, I think, towards streaming and streaming platforms. It sounds like in order to reach a demo. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Streaming is a delivery method. It's not, it's not the content. So it doesn't mean we're not watching NBC. We're still paying, you know, for, for, for sling or, or YouTube live or Hulu live or whatever it is. Or in my case, uh, through my cable, I get cable as part of my HOA. And there's a, a TV Everywhere app, and literally, I mm-hmm. sat last night at like 11 o'clock at night watching a show from my home DVR on a cruise ship in the middle of the ocean. So we're still consuming the content we used to consume. It's, it's not like everyone's going to stop watching football on Fox and, 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 and start watching uh, you know Paramount Plus on streaming. It's really just a change in delivery method. Numbers are not particularly down for, for networks, so... Those, that data always gets reported. It sounds very sexy, but it implies that this huge audience is only watching YouTube and Netflix, and it's, it's just not the case. Yeah, um, Dan, let's talk a little bit about inflation and the impact to video game spending. Uh, several video game manufacturers or programmers, uh, software developers, whatever, however you want to defer, you know, the Activisions, the Blizzards of the world, um, reported. 
declining earnings and and you know I get the sense that people are going back to work. Uh, I think people are still playing video games. Maybe they're comfortable with that old version of Call of Duty. Uh, by the way, I've never played that game. I've seen it. It's pretty neat looking. Uh, maybe they're more comfortable with that, and maybe the dollar is not going as far. And so that's going to have an impact on these types of companies. Yeah, I don't buy inflation as an excuse. Every company is going to cite this. Make better games. What is a better investment than a $60 video game you're going to play for hours and hours and hours? It works out to like pennies on the dollar. So if there were truly exciting releases, which there largely have not been in the past couple of quarters. I'm not a huge video game person, but I've seen lots of articles talking about this. If you're not putting out great movies, you can't complain that nobody goes to the theaters and, and blame it on inflation. If, if there was a new Call of Duty or, wherever it might, or whatever it might be, people would buy that game and, and not consider it. The reality, too, is how they get their revenue has shifted a little bit. We pay for an Xbox subscription, and we get an awful lot of new games as part of that subscription. That's largely because Microsoft has been buying up game studios, so how it divvies up revenue uh, you know, can be different. But the game companies that remain independent, they're just in a weird place in the cycle. Uh, I'm going to guess that you know, Electronic Arts is going to have no trouble – uh, selling Madden copies, you know, with football season here, it put out the right games and, and it'll, it'll be fine. But when you're not managing well, when your, your product cycle isn't great, well, are you going to say, Hey, I'm sort of incompetent and our release schedule wasn't great. And yeah, we're being hit a little bit by the fact that people can leave their houses now. So maybe they don't need quite as many games that, that I might believe, or are you going to say, you know, Hey, I'm pretty incompetent. Sorry. Of course, inflation is an, is an excuse. Um, but it's just an excuse. It's, it's not, in my opinion, the reality. Dan, let's pivot back to streaming for a second. Netflix created or is in the process of creating a gaming feature uh, on its platform. Does, how does this earnings number that we just talked about, how does that impact the Netflix, which is always looking for ways to create content and get you, to, get you on their platform? Is this a warning sign, like you better create some good games for people or offer good games? Um, what does this mean? Um, there have been a lot of warning signs. Netflix should not be in the gaming space. Apple should not be in the gaming space. At least at least with Apple, you can argue that they're selling these pervasive bundles where you end up getting Apple gaming as part of it. And But Netflix somehow thinks that games are going to make their products stickier. You know what makes their products stickier? Make good television shows and movies. Stop Stop throwing $300 million at the Rock and Ryan Reynolds for some movie nobody wants to watch. Make good movies. This whole game idea, gaming is really hard. You need not just good IP, you also need really excellent games. And name a game that's come from Apple or Netflix. It simply hasn't happened, and I don't see it as likely to happen. So you're really in a situation where why are they throwing good money after bad? It seems sexy. It's great on the report to be like, oh, we're, we're going to gaming. It's going to make our product stickier. It's not going to make it stickier if no one wants to play them. And I have Netflix. I can honestly tell you I've never looked once at Netflix games or Amazon's games or any of these other companies that keep deciding they have to make games. Let the games companies make the games. Well, they clearly have the advantage in terms of knowing what people like. Dan, do you think people are just tired of using looking at the screen? I mean, I, I can tell you personally, I've been using computers for 40 – the majority of my life, uh, 40 years plus, from the TI-99-4A, which you probably remember, through the Apple to what we have now. Um, you know, are we just – 
overwhelmed and just tired of looking at small screens and large screens? Um, you know, I think there might be phone fatigue, though that's not something I see of with my son's generation. But I sort of separate my screens. Like, yeah, I have my phone in my hand a lot. I'm on a computer all day. But I don't really think of my 65-inch television as the same thing. Yeah. When I don't know too many people of, of our generation, and we're, we're not that far off. We're about the same age. I don't know too many people of our generation who at the end of the day when dinner's put away or you're settling down for the night, don't watch some television. Like, that's, that's what people do. And I don't think we're going to have fatigue on that. And, and it's the same thing. Like, I don't think really big video game fans are tired of their Xbox. They, they might be going out a little more. So maybe if in a quarter you were consuming, you know, finishing two or three games, maybe you're only, you know, finishing one or two. But obviously some games don't work that way. Some games sort of have endless play. Um, I think if the content's good, people will come. And they'll find space for it. They'll find time for it. Like, I didn't have time to watch Obi-Wan Kenobi. You know what I did? I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi because I had to see it. Yeah. Well, you're, you're right. It's just I, I, I'm interested also in learning about the long-term effects of uh, wearing or watching these things in the blue light. I know there there have been some studies. I'm really interested to see how people like us going forward, what our eye, eye and vision is going to be. Uh, 10, 15 years from now. Dan, we're going to have to leave it there. Really appreciate you stopping by as usual. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a safe trip. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon, my friend. Jeff, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye, Dan. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to, then drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website. That's www.broadcastretirementnetwork.com and our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. <laughs>